What's up, folks? All right, you. Welcome, everybody. Today is Thursday, February 9th, 2023. Welcome to episode 300. Episode 300 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Team. Wow. Can't believe we did 300 episodes already. Jesus. That went quickly. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Lozier, and over the next 45 minutes, like we've been doing 300 times already or 299 times prior, I'll be going through the top cybersecurity news stories of the day with you, Brady McNulty, Cyber Munchkin, Joss Ben, Omatola, Ogbana, Brian White, Kenneth Ruff, Joss Ben, and so many others in chat right now and those on replay tearing it apart, knowing what's going on in the world, giving you value so you can be more effective at cyber risk reduction for your business or enterprise uh, in your work this week, next week, or if you're looking to break into the industry, I'm telling you right now, believe me, what we cover here is going to make you a more impactful candidate. You will definitely be separating yourself from the pack uh, with the knowledge that you impart here on the stream. And all you got to do is be receptive, put in the work, just listen, just be here, be part of this, engage with the network. Way to go, Simply Cyber community. You guys are all awesome. Before we get into the news, before we shred the top stories of the day, before I stop playing this rave music, I do want to say shout out and thanks to the ever hardworking Eric Taylor and Barricade Cyber Solutions. He's into kicking butt and chewing bubblegum. And guess what? Eric's all out of bubblegum. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Don't you, Barricade Cyber Solutions? Don't you? Yes, you do, Barricade. Give Eric Taylor a call. I got the, the look on stream right now. This is their website, barricadecyber.com. Link in the description below. February 9th is today. You could get on Eric's calendar for noon today and have a conversation with them basically talk about hey like here's my business what do you think am i you know like if, if do we need to get any ndas in place do we need to give you any kind of dormant account access if we were to get hit with ransomware if we were to be cyber attacked tomorrow do we need what do we need to do because guess what you don't want to be figuring it out as you're being attacked you want to have this all sorted out in advance as always i want to say thanks to aci Learning IT Pro TV, formerly IT Pro TV, now IT Pro, also affiliated with uh, Simply Cyber. So if you guys are looking for some excellent, excellent uh, cybersecurity coursework, content, um, practice exams, etc., go check out IT Pro TV. Get 30% off your first month, your first year. Here's a link in the description. I've been going through their IT Pro uh, IoT pen testing course and have been loving it. Want to remind everybody that every episode of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, so all 300 are worth half a CPE. So go ahead, say what's up in chat, document that, hashtag Team Live if you don't know what to say, hashtag Lurker if you've been lurking for 300 episodes and you finally want to step out of the shadows and be like, 
right? And then like creep back in the shadows. Uh, I'm being playful. If you guys just want to lurk and, and uh, not really uh, present yourself, that's absolutely cool. I'm more interested in getting the information out there, less about um, knowing, you know, that you're there. There's Eric Q, hashtag lurking. Love it. Um, uh, yeah, so anyways, if you're if you're live, I know it's a, it's a Thursday, so it's tough with the 10 a.m. Uh, start or the 10 a.m. kickoff, if you will. 91 people in chat. We'll, we'll bump up to about 150 as the show progresses, as we are wont to do. But I want to say what's up to all of you. It's great to see you. Uh, it is What's Your Meme Thursday, so stay tuned for that as well. Hashtag Team Replay in chat if you're on replay. Uh, I love to see the comments. You guys know if you're a regular on Team Replay that I give the hearts. I throw the hearts around because uh, I just enjoy what you guys do. All right, sit back, relax. I'll see you guys at the mid-roll, and then we'll do some jaw jacket at the end. Oh! From the CISO series, it's Cybersecurity Headlines. It's Thursday, February 9th, 2023. NIST standardizes crypto for IoT. The U.S. National Institute of Standards and Technology announced that the ASCON family of encryption and hashing algorithms were designated as a standard for lightweight cryptography applications. By design, it intends this encryption for Internet of Things devices, including industrial use cases like sensors and actuators, as well as medical devices and infrastructure. Resource-constrained devices can still implement this encryption, including countermeasures against side-channel attacks. Available implementations include C, Java, Python, and Rust. Chinese... Okay. Um, so this is kind of cool. I did not know that... Um, this was being worked on. Okay. Uh, M Arnold, thank you so much. Uh, given the love here for your squad membership, four months strong. Appreciate that. Uh, so basically, guys, here's the deal AES 256 is what is the crypto standard for everything um, that is a modern operating system that can handle um, in, in modern processors that can handle the load of AES 256. But guys, smart refrigerators, smart toasters, Lightweight real-time operating systems, um, you know, like my watch, like whatever, um, can't run the, these intense uh, algorithms and not have performance impact. So there was a need for cryptographic encryption um, standards that are strong enough, um, but to to run, but light enough to be on IoT devices. And this is what Ascon. I'm talking a little. <laughs> Hopefully people get this reference. I'm talking about a little encryption algorithm called Ascon, not Aspen, right? Uh, dumb and Dumber reference. Uh, I'm feeling silly this morning, so that's what's going on here. So stay tuned for the show. It might get it might get kind of hairy here for a second. Um, the important thing to note is two things, three things. Ready? Number one, this is cool that this standard is out there. Number two, any existing technology. Um, is probably not going to retroactively implement this encryption algorithm. So all the things that are in your house right now and all the things in your environment and all the things on the shelf at Lowe's are, aren't going to have this. So, you know, okay, so thirdly, um, vendors are not required to install this technology, this cryptographic algorithm on their devices. They will have it available and it's good to go, uh, but they're not required to do that. So now, you know, there's no compulsion to do it. Now, I will say that one now that NIST has done it, um, I would expect, get to, I mean, this isn't a tinfoil hat thing, but this is just a prediction that I have high confidence in. The U.S. government will begin requiring this 
uh, encryption algorithm on any devices that are used in federal IT, okay? So if you're gonna use it in the Department of Defense, right? Like a little um, like smart drone that you throw and it does things and sends telemetry back, um, whatever. A smart urinal, like in a, in a military theater of operation, I don't know. My point is, the reason it will become required and the reason that businesses will force this in is because the federal government's going to require it be in place or else they're not going to purchase your tech stack, which the U.S. government is a big customer of many businesses. So once that gets in place, then you'll start seeing uh, product vendors sticking this in and then it'll become the standard. I'm guessing because of the way co government contracts work, um, this won't become standard best practice uh, until 2026. 2025, 2026. So you won't hear ASCON for a while. And then all of a sudden you'll be like, well, I remember hearing about this. What was it? And then uh, like Jeremy Williams will pop up in chat and be like, it was from the 300th episode of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. And you're like, oh yeah, that's totally right. I remember that two years ago. Well, there you go. Now you heard it here. Phones collect PII. According to a new report from researchers at the University of Edinburgh and Trinity College Dublin, they found that Chinese phone makers like Xiaomi, OnePlus, and Oppo's Realme collect extensive data on users without consent. This involves data directly from the OS as well as pre-installed apps. Personally identifiable information appears to go to both the phone vendor as well as service providers and network operators. Data sent includes phone numbers, IMEI and MAC addresses, geolocation data, contacts, and text metadata. The researchers found no way to opt out of collection. Data collection also didn't stop when leaving China, with devices sending information to carriers and vendors, even when connected only on Wi-Fi with no SIM card used. Okay, <clears throat> from the office of obviously, um, <laughs> this is no surprise, guys. Like China is a uh, surveillance state, uh, authoritative regime. They are surveilling the crap out of their citizens. They put government officials on commercial uh, business boards, um, especially if they uh, sound off or they have a dissenting opinion from the ruling party. Um, and everybody in China, not everybody, but many people in China in, in our society have tech, have Android phones. I've said this before a million times on the channel too. Like iPhone dominates the market in the United States, but in the rest of the world, Android dominates. Android has like 80 85% market share of mobile devices in the world. So wrap your head around that for a second. Now, China, because they're so powerful and because they have such buying power, a lot of product vendors are willing to create like China-specific versions of their product. Famously, to put a, a, a fine point on it, Google... You know, Google, you guys heard of Google, the search engine company, they do, you know, they do things, Google. Um, when they had search in China, you know, China was like, well, we don't want you to be able to search for like Tiananmen Square. We don't want you to be able to search for these investigative journalists' blogs. And, you know, Google's like, well, that's not really what we do. And they're like, well, then you're not in China. And Google's like, ah, uh, okay. Now, this is part of the reason why Google got rid of their old motto, do no evil. You remember like, when that used to be Google's motto and then they got rid of it and people were like, oh my God, so Google is going to be evil? No, it was because they were starting to wade into these murky waters of basically complying with authoritative regimes, uh, you know, for stuff like this. I, I read all this in the, um, this is how me tell, 
This is How They Tell Me the World Ends by Nicole Pelroth. Check that book out. Great, great stuff. Anyways, long story short, that's what's going on here. Now, to, to put a cybersecurity spin on that and have a little bit of fun, I do want to let people know that it is worth doing as a fun exercise. And I put fun in air quotes because to me, um, it would be fun. It is uh, subjective uh, what fun is. But guys, anyone can take an Android device. I got one right here, right? I'm doing some research on it, actually. <laughs> Like coincidentally, Finfrock sent me this one. Finfrock. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. Finfrock sent me this one and is trying to give me money to, to do a very specific thing on this Android device. So anyone can get an Android device, right? And anyone can plug it into a network, turn the SIM card, turn the cellular off, turn the wireless on, put a man in the middle or sniff the traffic, right? Uh, put it through uh, a network device that you control as an access point, span the network traffic, and let it go do its thing. The Android device is going to have no idea that its network packets are being duplicated uh, offline for analysis afterwards. Then you can open a tool like Wireshark or Splunk, Greylog, Elkstack, whatever you want, and look at the network traffic and see where it's going. See what kind of data is in the packet. Now, if they encrypt the data, obviously you're unable to analyze it, but... My point is, you can do a lot of this type of research on your own for fun if you want to, okay? You can see all of the things it's reaching out to, all of the data elements it's it's trying to do. Obviously, because Android runs APK or Android package executables, you can disassemble those packets, uh, those packages or reverse those packages to see what they're doing, right? You can create fake sock puppet accounts and then access those accounts on your device and see, oh, like when you log into Facebook or when you log into wherever, it also sends your username and pat or just your username and what site you're going to or whatever to this other server. Well, who owns that server? There's a ton of fun opportunity to do um, malware analysis slash forensics with an Android phone. That's what they're doing here. And obviously they uncovered nightmarish things. Chinese firms also working on AI chatbots. This week, we've seen Microsoft and Google make headlines for showing how they will integrate generative AI across search and other products. But the tech giants of China also threw their hats in this emerging ring. Alibaba says it began work on a chat GPT-like system currently in internal testing. The newspaper 21st Century Herald sources say the company may integrate this with its DingTalk app. And Baidu, China's largest search engine, announced plans to launch its own ChatGPT-like service in March called Wenchin Yiyin, or ErnieBot in English. Ernie is a large-scale machine learning model that's been trained on data over several years and will serve as the foundation of Baidu's upcoming tool. All right, so ErnieBot's coming, so get ready to see this guy's face all over the place. All right. Um... All right, hold on. Let's get you on. Uh, there we go, Ernie. Okay, so listen, it's no surprise. ChatGPT is all the rage. I guess they were just first to market, so they got first market mover advantage. Alibaba is like Amazon in China. Alibaba is one of these huge companies that um, I think we need to chat. Guys, we need a ChatGPT sound effect, right? We need a ChatGPT. I'm taking submissions right now. Let me know what you guys think, uh, like a ChatGPT or how um sound effect could be um i think maybe even from how uh from space odyssey where it's like david i can't allow you to do that that could be the good sound effect okay back to this um 
Alibaba's got like infinite money. It sounds like they've been training in AI uh, for years already. The the one thing that I would uh, point out, guys, mark my words, tinfoil hat, please, tinfoil hat, please. Okay, tinfoil hat. Here's what's going to happen. It's no surprise that they're getting AI. Okay, like it's it, it's 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 demonstrated itself. Okay, here is the hot take. Okay. The model of the AI is only as powerful, the, the AI is only as powerful or as smart as the model it's built on, right? Well, when you have a government like China that rules in a very certain way, um, as prefaced by the previous story, lots of surveillance, lots of oversight. I mean, <laughs> Lots of re-education. Look what they're doing in Northwest China to the Uyghur population. The basis for these bots that are going to be integrated into Alibaba are going to have biases. It's basically going to do what you think it's going to do, but it's also going to have biases in perspective that align with China, the, the, you know, the public, the the PRC, the People's Republic of China's perspectives, right? So if you ask it a question like, tell me, like, God, like, this is even occurring more to me right now, how weaponized you can make this thing. Tell me about what happened in Tiananmen Square. It's like, it's like rewriting history books, right? In order to shape the narrative, right? History is written by the victors, right? So tell me what happened in Tiananmen Square. Oh, in Tiananmen Square, there was a peaceful, um, a peaceful demonstration to, you know, where China was able to demonstrate their might and power to the rest of the world. Nothing about the protests, nothing about civil rights, nothing like that, right? Or um, here's another one. Write me a piece of software that does X, Y, Z, right? You know how ch people are using chatbot to write SaaS applications? If I see another freaking video about like make $7,000 a day, uh, like having chatbot write your software program for you. No, no previous programming experience needed, right? Well, okay, let's do that. But then um, Alibaba's chatbot is going to also, you know, it'll write the code that does whatever it does, right? Like here's a file sharing service, right? Doink, 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 doink. Here's a backdoor. Doink, doink, doink. Here's a key logger. Dun, 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 dun. Here's a persistence mechanism. Dun, dun, dun. Right? Like it could automatically put in all of this malicious functionality and... Lots of people aren't going to review the code. No big deal. I'm making $1,000 a day. YOLO! I'm also, you know, uh, co completely compromised and also compromising all the people who download my app. You feel me, people? There's a lot of, a lot of pitfalls and a lot of areas of exploitation that end users are not going to be aware of because they're, Everybody's running around like pants off, full baby oil rubdowns of like, oh, look at all the things I can do with the chat GPT. Look at, oh my God, I'm I'm able to like write marketing copy. The BuzzFeed staff got laid off. Corporate, you know, millionaires are like, I'm making so much money with this. But like, no one is stopping to review the outputs of these things. No one's questioning the models they're built on. This is going to go full ham. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you there's going to be stories that come out in a year or two about the chat engines that come out of this space that have 
espionage or nefarious type capabilities or biases integrated into it, right? What if the what if the chatbot has a bias against like Muslims? Why not, right? It's supposed to be objective, but it's built on a model, right? Or or right now we're seeing ChatGPT. I saw a story yesterday. If you ask ChatGPT or one of these like um these art uh, generation tools, right? Like, oh, draw me a picture of like a stormtrooper riding a motorcycle, right? Or my kid the other day was like, I want to see a zombie drifting on a dirt bike uh, during a full moon, right? Or my other son said he wanted to see Martin Luther King riding a go-kart while playing the piano. Cinematic lighting, he asked for, right? The, the things that come out are great. Somebody asked the uh, art engine to draw a police, uh, or a courtroom sketch of a defendant. What do you think it drew, right? Did it draw a woman? Did it draw a man? Did it draw a child? Did it draw an African-American? Did it draw a Muslim? Did it draw uh, a blonde-haired, blue-eyed person? Did it draw uh, an old person? Somebody with disabilities? Two heads? Green skin? Right? There's biases built into these things. Watch out for this, guys. New developments for iOS browsers. When it comes to innovating with third-party browsers on iOS, developers deal with significant limitations. One of the biggest, Apple requires any browsers on iOS to use its WebKit rendering engine. That's what Firefox and Chrome use on the platform. However, earlier this week, Google's Chromium blog revealed it began work on a browser based on its Blink engine. It cautioned this represented an experiment for performance testing, not a step toward a shippable product. But it seems to be something of a trend. The register notes Mozilla also hosts code for an iOS version of Firefox using its Gecko rendering engine, although it last updated it on GitHub back in October. All right, so. So this is cool. So basically Apple, um, this is like super in the weeds, but basically Apple has WebKit, which is the browser rendering engine underneath the hood of like Safari and stuff like that. Apple requires iOS apps to use WebKit. There is an antitrust lawsuit going on or, or legislation or whatever it's called that Apple is basically um, committing infractions by requiring software developers to use their WebKit and not allowing other tech to run on their stack. It sounds like um, this is about to change and uh, Apple's going to drop that case. So Mozilla's hot on their heels moving to write in Gecko, which is not WebKit, as a browser rendering engine uh, to shift. Now, I find it interesting. Uh, I'd be really curious why Firefox is spending the energy and efforts to rewrite the uh, code on Gecko. I guess maybe it's it's probably easier to not manage two different um, you know code repos and vulnerabilities and stuff like that. But um, this really doesn't affect many of us. Just be aware, I guess, that there's going to be more opportunity. There's probably more attack surface for the number of browsers that are going to be used. I mean, there's only a couple major browsers anyway, so like whatever. But this isn't really that big deal. I don't know if IE was built on Gecko. I know that Google Chrome was originally built on WebKit uh, before they got their own browser rendering engine. I learned that this morning, actually, because I was listening to Darknet Diaries uh, interview of Maddie Stone, who's a security researcher over at Google Project Zero. 
Um, anyways, so this is like interesting, but like super, super in the weeds. And now a word from our sponsor, us. Yes, the CISO series. Every week, one of the stories from cybersecurity headlines comes up in our team meetings, said Brett Conlon, CISO for American Century Investments, who admits he starts his day with this very show. And did you know that cybersecurity headlines has longevity? It's a daily news show, but we see significant downloads for up to four months after episodes air. That means your ad campaign will continue to live long after the premiere airing. If you're interested in sponsorship, email us at info at CISOseries.com. All right, here we go. Whoops. All right, here we are at the mid-roll. If, you, if you're new here, welcome to episode 300. We've been here for a minute. Every day at the mid-roll, we play Simple Minds or some version of it. Some of us say, hey, hey, hey. Some of us say, la, la, la. All of us have a good time. If you're one of the people having a good time, listen up. Do me a favor. If it's educational value, if it's entertainment value, if it's just feel-good value, take a second, hit that like button. It really does a lot for me and for the Simply Cyber community. It does more than you think. It takes a second for you. It seems insignificant. But by hitting that like button, it actually helps YouTube know that this is a stream that cybersecurity professionals like, and it reaches out to other cybersecurity professionals who don't know that we're doing this over here and hits us up. 52 likes, come on, we're better than that, guys. I get up every single morning, every single day, and do a stream. Neil Bridges talked about one of the tough things about being a streamer is sticking to your schedule. You know, if I don't feel well, got to do the stream. I'm busy, got to do the stream. Got family in town, got to do the stream. I got to be in my garage, got to do the stream. I'm, uh, I'm in Las Vegas at Black Hat, get up at 4.30 in the morning, got to do the stream. It's hard. Hitting the like button is one way to say thanks, Jerry. I appreciate <laughs> what you do. Holler at me. Want to remind everybody, if you don't already know, another thing that I do that takes time every Saturday, I carve out an hour of my life. And I write this newsletter, simplycyber.io slash newsletter. I give you three pieces of actionable intel. Um, end users, executives, for your peers. There's value there. I'm tired, guys. I'm tired. Let's go, Nick. Get the likes up. Thanks, man. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you so much. Let's go, Nick. Appreciate the super chat. It is What's Your Meme Thursday. Our own Dan Reardon, a.k.a. Haircut Fish. Recently minted cybersecurity professional. Recently minted professional. Oh, always a professional. Either way, our own Dan Reardon has been busy with his new job, but I want to let you know that he produces a meme every Thursday for friends and family of, of fans of The Office. Here we go. World's best GRC analyst. A mug I gave myself. <laughs> Thank you so much, Haircut Fish. If you enjoyed the um, if you enjoy the meme of the week, do let Haircut Fish know in chat. Um, looks like he's not here right now, so uh, just know if he's watching on replay. Haircut Fish, we genuinely appreciate you. GP, G, GPTJ is an open source alternative that comes with data sets, but you need high amounts of RAM and CPU. I feel they would kill you if you made it available to the public. North Star 2 with the super chat. Thank you so much, North Star 2. Here, I'll leave this up for another second. 
Oh, he is here? Where is he? Where are you, haircut fish? There you are. Why couldn't I see you? There you are. Hello. There we go. All right. Thanks so much, Dan. You do great work. Definitely a um, member of the Simply Cyber community that's much appreciated. Thank you so much for the super chat, Jeremy Williams. We just become best friends. Yep. Oh, my God, you guys. Zalia with the $20 super chat. Gary Sturgeonatis, 300th episode. Happy 300th at the same length my InfoSec career has spanned. You guys are just dropping super chat bombs left and right. Thank you so much. Genuinely appreciate that uh, super chats definitely helps this, this channel, helps me, uh, you know, continue to level up the stream, make the quality better, do all those things. That's awesome. Simply Cyber AI. Oh, I will tease one other thing. This is super early. Um, this I don't even know if this has been. Uh, I'll, remind me, remind me at the end of the uh, stream about the uh, conference I'm doing on March first. They create standalone tech regulator. In the UK, the Department for Digital Culture, Media and Sports previously oversaw tech regulation in the country. However, Prime Minister Rishi Sunak revealed the formation of a new science, innovation and technology department that will now oversee the technology sector. The new department will be headed by former DCMS Secretary Michelle Donlan. This comes as the government's online safety bill makes its way through Parliament, as well as the anticipated announcement of the UK's broader strategy around semiconductors. Okay, thank you, and Cybersecurity Central. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you for the super chat, Kimberly. Genuinely appreciate all that you do. And um, not just, you know, the super chat, but guys, Cybersecurity Central is a must follow on LinkedIn. Check them out. Uh, they have a YouTube channel as well. They, you want to talk about a group that's pumping out uh, great information, great value to the cybersecurity community. The work that they're doing over there, led by Kimberly McKnight, is uh, amazing. Okay, so um, uh, let's see this. Uh, basically, science and tech department, I'm thinking it's like NIST-ish over at uh, in the UK. Um, good. Guys, we need to, um, you know, basically tech, it moves really fast. We have to be able to adapt uh, and, and pivot quite quickly. If the UK hasn't done this already, I'm kind of surprised. Um, it sounds like the people who are involved, like Sunak. Sunak is a former hedge fund manager, so I don't really see the the link in here to the tech sector, I guess because he pays for things in the tech sector. His father was the founder of Indian IT Services. Okay, so he he's got he knows a lot of people in the tech sector, which is cool actually because private sector moves a lot faster. Hey, Cyber Munchkin, thanks for the super chat. What did we just become best friends? Yep. In order to here's the deal, like this is a good sign for the UK government. In order to be effective as a government at a federal level, you need to hook into the private sector because the private sector is where new advancements are being made, innovations being done, things move quickly, move fast, break things. Right, you get the best talent in the private sector because of straight cash, homie. That's right, Randy. Straight cash, homie. The UK, the government, the federal government, US, UK, Australia, whatever, <clears throat> they can't move as quickly because of bureaucracy, because of legislation. So this is a great look for the UK. Uh, I look forward to uh, monitoring this from afar and wish them the very best. Uh, pip pip and all that to my UK friends. Swatting the C-suite on the rise. CISO Online passed on a report from the digital executive protection company Black Cloak, which reports an increase in swatting and doxing attacks against high-profile positions in Fortune 500 companies. These include C-suite executives and board members. These attacks seem focused on healthcare, biomed, pharma, and esports industries. 
The company recommends removing personal information from data broker sites, sharing less personal information overall, making corporate about us pages with executives more formal, and registering homes as either a trust or an LLC rather than in their name. Turkey. That sucks. Okay, so uh, I'm just reading this because I am from uh, Massachusetts. <clears throat> um, Groveland, very desirable little town, high-end money. A lot of rich people who work in Boston live in these towns, Winchester, for example. Swatting is where um, some peckerhead calls. Like, you can use OSINT to find someone's address. Then a peckerhead calls up the 911 and literally says, Hi, I am you know, executive, whoever, I live at this address, I have harmed someone who lives here, right? So I've hurt my children or I've hurt whoever lives here. I will hurt myself and um, I will hurt first responders when they show up. So like really identifying yourself as a massive threat. So then the police obviously respond by showing up to the house. Now, meanwhile, you're asleep in bed and you're like, oh, and then you hear like, bang, 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 bang. Open the door. You go to the door, you open the door, and then the police bum rush you. If you're lucky, there have been incidents, and I've seen it. It's it's freaking sad. I've seen incidents um, where it wasn't a swatting incident, but <clears throat> uh, I saw a camera angle inside the house. And basically, they're banging on the door. Come out with your hands up. And the guy's like all groggy. It was a trailer home. And he's like, what the hell? So like he just walks in his pajamas, opens his front door, opens his front door. No weapon, no nothing. He's wearing his pajamas, opens his front door, and three shots ring out. Boom, boom, boom. Right into his chest. His wife standing like five feet away who was walking to the door too. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's ridiculous. I mean, that's a bigger question about lethal action, lethal force used by law enforcement. But these swatting things, Brian Krebs got swatted, right? It's scary. It's scary. Now, they're saying that some of the ways to defend against it is to register your home, register your home as a, um, in, uh, not in your name, but as a corporate entity. And like basically the way that we hide domain name registration um so like if you do a who is on simplycyber.io, you won't see me. You'll see some type of registrar or something. And I pay for that service. Same thing with these homes. That's such a BS way to do it. So like you've lived in a home for 20 years. It's where you raised your family. You love your home, your neighborhood. And now you're going to have to like sell and move because some peckerhead somewhere in the world is sending a SWAT team to you. It sucks. I think that there needs to be a better way around... Um, validating the legitimacy of something like this in addition to educating SWAT teams and stuff like that to not immediately yeah I get that you guys you know have cool weapons and you got funding for like sniper rifles and like these like you know like industrial grade like tank looking things but doesn't mean you need to use them I know you're all jacked up on wanting to use them but like dude pump the brakes and 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 be mindful of swatting, okay? I I, I guess this is like a, a, a like a plea out to like law enforcement. Blocks access to Twitter. The internet watchdog NetBlocks discovered the block, which comes in the wake of devastating earthquakes in the country that have killed tens of thousands. Um, oh, good, Brett. Bo sorry to interrupt, guys. Brett Bowen looks like he's law enforcement and says that they do, um, they do do a little bit of due diligence before unleashing hell on a house, but um. 
you know, unfortunately, I know it's a couple bad apples make, you know, ruin the bunch, but like, I, I really feel like some of these towns get access to like really like military grade weaponry or technology. And they're like, and it's like a little quiet town. So they never get to use it. So like when the opportunity arises, they're like, yeah, let's, let's roll. Uh, but it's good to hear Brett Bowen uh, sharing that law enforcement does do. Um, all right. Raymond Cruz says that there's a lot more to it than that. All right, Raymond, definitely drop it in chat. I'd love to have a conversation with this because swatting is happening and real people are getting hurt, uh, unfortunately. And like I said, I'm sure here's the thing, right? Here's another thing. Okay. Cause I'm not trying to paint law enforcement all as bad people, right? Cause they're not, they, they like, I can't do law enforcement. I'm, thankful that there are people who want to do that job. And I like living in a civil society and knowing that my kids are safe and I'm safe. and My wife is protected when she's out, right? Here's my thing. Um, when, when someone calls in a swatting and it gets discovered as BS and they don't like ramrod the house or whatever, that doesn't make the news, right? So it could happen all the time and, it, and, 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 and law enforcement does the right thing and doesn't hurt anyone uh, or no one gets hurt or whatever, right? That doesn't make the news. Unfortunately, it's like the crappy situations that do turn into real things that does make the news. So there is a skewed perspective uh, in the media and reported, uh, and even like what I'm saying right now, um, because of that, okay? So I, I definitely uh, understand that I definitely understand that there are, it is more complicated, right? Morning of February 8th, NetBlocks found Twitter blocked across several service providers with access slowed on others. Later in the morning, the government instituted a comprehensive block on all providers. Turkey's recently passed disinformation law gives it the power to block social media platforms spreading misinformation. Turkish citizens took to the site to note and complain about the government's earthquake response in hard-hit areas. Oh my God. Okay. I wish I had more coffee. This is killing me. All right. So here's the deal. Turkey has a law in the books that allows them to control misinformation spreading, which allows them to basically uh, sinkhole Twitter. Turkey, again, guys, this is a casebooks example of when you put in capabilities for a good reason and then they get abused by those in power. Okay. Just like putting a backdoor into all iPhones only to be used by law enforcement when it's a mass shooting um, suspect and they need to know if there's other targets or whatever, right? Yeah, that's a really great, or it's like a, uh, like a person who abuses children, right? Like, oh yeah, no, no, absolutely. Every single time, who's going to argue with you? But then it can get abused. Okay, so Turkey puts this law on the books to prevent spread of misinformation. Everybody agrees, like, oh, this is a great idea. Okay, then there's an earthquake and the population is criticizing the Turkish response because hard hit areas that maybe are, I, I don't know why they weren't responding, maybe like low economic or they couldn't get people there, whatever it was, the people were complaining. And, and Turkey ex ex exercises this capability to sinkhole Twitter to basically squash the ability for people to voice their opinion on the response. This is called silencing a population. This is called, you know, managing the, 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 the narrative, if you will. And it's weaponized because obviously if people were like, oh my gosh, the Turkish government's response to your earthquake is amazing. What a wonderful response. Everything's grand. Do you think that they would nerf that? Hell no. But that they can control people talking crap about them and they're exercising it. This is abuse of power.
And this is why you need to be careful when you pass these sweeping legislations that allow um, position, you know, governments basically to control uh, communication like this. Or faces continued DDoS pressure. The maintainers of the Tor project say that numerous DDoS attacks hit its anonymity network over the past seven months. There appears to be a level of sophistication to the attacks, which varied in method and targets over time. Generally, the network remains operational, but traffic significantly slowed during attacks. This makes it hard to pinpoint a responsible party or to fully prepare for future attacks. The team plans to add two new members to its network team to better focus on development to help defend against this rogue traffic. Okay. All right. So really quick, um, you know, this is kind of surprising to me. I wouldn't have thought of this. Tor is being uh, attacked by a distributed denial of service attack, essentially network traffic being pushed in. Uh, allowing for legitimate users of the Tor network not to be able to access the resource. The Tor network is essentially um, the dark web. Um, if you've heard of the dark web, that's what it is. You access it through Tor browsers, and it's a Tor network. Um, I'm not going to get into all like what the dark web is in Tor and stuff like that. There's plenty of material online to do that. What's interesting here is that there's a distributed denial of service attack going on against that. Now, I'm curious. It doesn't specify what endpoints on the network so um you could easily see a situation where like you know let's see um you know justin gold is running a underground dark web marketplace and i am also running an underground dark web marketplace and i don't like that justin gold is taking my um Great cash, homie. so i do a distributed denial of service attack against justin gold's a marketplace and the customers of that marketplace are frustrated by Justin Gold's network performance. And then they come to my marketplace and then I make straight cash homie. Okay. So it could be as, you know, precise as a distributed service attack on certain tour websites or the entire network in general. I could see an opportunity where uh, a, uh, a regime. So a lot of people use tour for anonymity, right? So maybe you're, and I'm just choosing this randomly. Maybe you're China and you have access to a massive distributed denial of service uh, infrastructure. So you attack the entire Tor network, disrupting the ability for investigative journalists to be able to share information anonymously. So you basically nerf the ability for dark web activity to happen in general. And then on top of that, maybe some of these people that were using the dark web are forced to use the above ground web or the clear web or whatever you wanna call that web um, and then they get discovered and where are they and all these other things. So there's a couple different goals I could see with the distributed denial of service attack on the Tor network. I never, again, I never really thought about attacking Tor with denial of service, but those are a couple reasons that come to mind right off the cuff on why this could be happening. Seven months is a really long time for a denial of service attack, guys. Like normally they don't last that long. Usually they're like in the magnitude of days. So seven months is a wicked long time. This, to me, whoever's running this denial of service attack is a nation state, basically. Like, there's no, re like a, a criminal enterprise, uh, you know, unless it's the situation of the two dark web marketplaces, wouldn't be putting this much energy, effort, and time into blowing something off the network unless there was, um, really, unless there was money involved. Why do strongly supported security frameworks have such severe limitations when building a security program? Nope. That's the question. That is an advertisement, which means we're at the end of the show. If you were here just for the news, thank you all so very much. I see 147 of you. Again, on your way out, hit the like button.
Doink! Hit that like button. Do we have a, a, a here? Yeet that like button. I know I didn't use it correctly, but that's okay. Um, genuinely appreciate it, guys. We'll be back tomorrow, Friday, February 10th, for episode 301 at 8 a.m. Eastern Time. I can hope you join us. Now, if you want to hang out for a hot minute, it is 1044, base case in the NCC group. I'll give you a minute back, LOL. If you guys want to hang out, let's jaw jack for a hot minute. I'm really excited to share with you two things. One, later today, and I've done a terrible job of promoting this, I do a terrible job of promoting my Thursday streams, but guys, it says Feb December 15th, but it's today, February 9th. This guy right here, Bryson Bort, is OG legend in the information security community. He has done massively good things for our community. He's He, he was a very advanced operator. I'm sure he's still qualified to be an operator. He runs Scythe, which is an adversary emulation software platform. He... Uh, is the founder of Grim, which is a consulting company. He runs GrimCon, which is an awesome um, information security virtual conference. Thank you, Brady McNulty, for the super chat. Happy 300. Thanks for the, thanks for, for being the go-to way to start the day for many of us. Thanks, Brady. I love, I love me some Brady McNulty. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. I'm so happy. Like, Brady McNulty, great guy. I see a lot of activity on uh, pharmacists talking to Brady McNulty. Uh, good good person to, to connect with. Um, you'll see this is GrimCon 7. GrimCon 8 is coming up. Uh, we see our friend Ian Garrett from Phalanx. He's been on the show before. Here's Bryce, uh, Bryson uh, down here. Um... Dude, the guy's awesome. You probably recognize him if he was wearing like his unicorn hoodie. Very, very cool dude. Come, come over at 4:30 p.m. Eastern time. You're gonna, you're gonna love it. Oh, I just got that. Joel Belton. I was wondering why the like all this was in here. Okay. Episode, uh, episode 300. So. We're gonna we're gonna scrub. Episode three hundred. Here we go. Yes. Let's do the big boot. This is simply cyber episodes one through two ninety nine. And then episode three hundred. Joel Belton. Let's do it, guys. This is simply cyber. <laughs> Winning. Okay, it's probably not laughable that the guy got kicked into a hole, so that was in bad taste. But um, I guess I'm just saying, <laughs> Wait, shout out for 300. Guys, I got another really cool thing to share with you guys if you are interested. Uh, I've been working on this for quite some time. Uh, Aaron KG and Chad has been helping with me. I have like a really, really interesting produced video coming out. There was so much content in it that literally it was like a 30 minute video and i know how people absorb content in youtube worlds and you can't do 30 minute videos no one's gonna watch it and there was just so much value um that i was like i've got to break this up so i split it into two videos one is how to get entry-level cybersecurity jobs all right the other one is how to get cybersecurity experience without a job in cybersecurity both videos are about 12 to 15 minutes long and when i say value I'm talking about you're probably going to have to watch it multiple times. Bring a notebook. There is 
ridiculous amounts of value going on in these two videos. I've, I've got to figure out how to um, how I'm going to drop them. They will drop next week. Um, and I don't know if I'm going to drop them at the same exact time or we could premiere one and then premiere the other one right afterwards. I think that's might be what I do. Um, stay tuned to the channel. But guys, I'm really excited about these two videos. Like Aaron and I like worked on them together. Very deliberate on how I structured it. I made an outline. Um, there was like a rough script to kind of help guide um, what we were doing because I wanted to make sure because normally I just kind of like shoot from my hip and that's not good. All right, Casey. Casey can only consume long form content. So Casey, just open two browsers and have them both playing at the same time. And you can be like, <laughs> you can be like the, the four hands on keyboards from NCIS scene where you're just listening to two YouTube streams at the same time. <laughs> All right, so I'm pretty excited about that guys as well. Touchback on the Sounders for ChatGPT. I think Daleks or Cybermen from Doctor Who would be a good option. I'll have to check that out. I'm not familiar with that one. All right. March 1st. Oh, thank you, um, Lego Sec. Guys, you as a community, you guys are the best. Like, you always help me remember what the crap I'm doing here. So, um, anti-siphon. Uh, offensive uh, conference, March 1st. So, anti-siphon summit 2023. Okay, I'll drop a link in chat. Let me tell you what, what is going on here. You could tell that Jason Blanchard wrote, um, you could tell, I feel like Jason Blanchard wrote this right here. The most offensive con that ever offensive. I can't guarantee that that's attributed to Jason, but that seems very Jason-y. March 1st through March 1st, 2023. So in like three weeks, there's a conference. It's one day of talking. Uh, it's really focused on red team operations and, and, and pen testing and all that stuff. Uh, there's two days of training that you can sign up for if you want or get um, get um, um, funding for, okay? Now, here's the really cool thing. Um, is this going to... Here's the conference, okay? Now, check this out. Here's the summit. Here's the link if you want to go. I think it's free, guys. It's, it would be very, like, on-brand for Anti-Siphon to do free. Okay, now check this out. In the link I just sent you, it might, it might actually be, like, have my metadata in it. Um, I don't see the... Um, maybe, maybe someone can find this. I don't see the list of speakers, but the first day is all speakers. Here's the deal. Northstar2 says, should there be basic info people should know before allowed online like how you should know how to change a tire before you drive a car um i'll answer that in a second north star what did we just become best friends yep yep so thank you um cybersecurity central already registered guys check it out here's the thing the first day is all summits i don't see a list of speakers here's here's what happened i so velda um Velda runs anti-siphon in the conferences and stuff like that, okay? And I worked with her on Wild West Hackenfest. I heard about this conference through the grapevine, which bummed me out because I, I feel like I'm in the know on these things and I should have known about it anyways, but that's aside the point. So I reached out to Velda and I said, hey, I love the work you guys do. I would love for Simply Cyber to sponsor. Like, I want to give you money to, 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 to 
you know, like I want to give you money. I want to support Anti-Siphon and I want to support this conference for people. Like, obviously, if it's free for you guys, then it's it, it has to cost money to run this thing. And if it's free, then where's the money coming from? So, typically sponsors, right? So I wanted to throw some money at her. And uh, she said, no, 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 we're good on sponsors, but we'd love for you to talk. And I was like, well, what's the conference about? And she's like, it's 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 red team focused, offensive security focused, really trying to uh, lean into that. And I was like, well, I'm not really a, you know, that's not my wheelhouse. That's not what I do. And um, I said, let me think about it, okay? And I, I thought about it for a minute and I was like, you know what? I could do a talk. I could do a talk. So check this out. I'm giving a talk called everything pen testing you didn't know you needed to know, right? And I'm doing it with uh, Paul Imey from Ceteria. Now, Paul is a former NSA uh, offensive operator. Great guy, really smart. He runs this uh, InfoSec business now. Um, let me see if I can find him. And he can really speak a lot to these things. But like, dude, as, as a, here he is right here. As a uh, practitioner in the space and as someone who's worked in, in led information security programs, like you need to understand that like, yes, you can be an ethical hacker and you can leet zero day everything and you can be hacker man and, you know, hack the planet and all that stuff. But if you want to make a job of this and get paid, you need to understand that like the CISO has an agenda. The CISO is reporting to the board. The CISO has budget. How do you sell your services? There's all sorts of um, things that you need to know. Like, why should you even have a pen test? When should you do it? What should the scope be? How as a CISO do I determine who I should hire to do a pen test? If you're a pen tester or a pen testing firm, how do you make yourself more desirable to a CISO to hire you, okay? That is what this talk is gonna be, and I'm gonna be presenting it um, with Paul, and it's gonna be very casual. Like these, by the way, these are all three of the slides. Like, so it's not like death by PowerPoint. It's gonna be wicked awesome. So if you're interested in, um, you know, hearing about this particular topic, come to the conference and hang out with us. Thanks for the reminder, LegoSec. You know tons and talk red or blue. Oh, thank you, Kimberly. I, I do know a, a thing or two. I do dabble. I do dabble in InfoSec. <laughs> There's a summit on the first and then training on the second and third. The summit's free, but the training costs money. That's right, Gary Sergiatis. Um, going back to Northstar 2's super chat here. Should there be basic info people should know before allowed online? Mm, so I would say, I would say, okay, here's the deal with that. You could say, yes, you're not allowed online unless you understand like basic passwords or basic uh, cyber hygiene. The problem is that the internet is so ubiquitous and such an integrated part of our world. It's not a privilege. Like driving a car is a privilege. That's why you can have your license taken away for being a dummy. Being on the internet, with like very few exceptions, is like, it's, a, it's, it's like you can't function in modern society um, without it so to 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 gate it and say like oh you're not allowed on unless you do these things it it, it won't work uh there's i will say that just like um financial literacy should be taught in high school like how do you manage a checkbook like what's a budget why are credit cards dangerous what is interest like all these things that should be taught in high school cyber hygiene should be taught in high school and not as part of like some other course it should be like a course in how to 
how to be a online citizen safely. That's what I think should happen. All right, zombie guy likes Cali. What are we doing on time? I've got two more minutes, guys. Actually, one more minute because I want to go get another cup of coffee. Have a good day, not only IT. What's the conference, please? Any link? Oh, yeah, here's the link. It's the AW, it's the 2023 Most Offensive Summit by Anti Siphon. Google Anti Siphon and um, Offensive Summit 2023 and you'll get it, okay? Yeah. Noob question. How come on find my IT, my IP, my actual location is miles away from my IP radius? Um, it's because, newbie, um, it's probably pulling from the ISP. So it knows like a, 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 a geographical area that you're at. It doesn't, the IP, like precision of the IP is not at the address. You would have to it's where the ISP is or the internet service provider that's allocating out those IPs. Your address is not necessarily tied to that IP. When you do a SWAT, like we talked about in the story earlier, you're doing OSINT to find that um, address. You're not using like IP address to find that information. What's your thoughts on kids having to create Google accounts for school if you want to keep your children's data private? Yeah, I mean, a lot of those times it's like under like the, the, the school system's domain, Google domain. It's not their personal Google account. So, you know, there is a little bit of um, abstraction there. Yeah, gaming with the cats, right? IP is not tied to Mac. That's exactly right. Love the 300th episode. Gain a lot of knowledge. Thanks, Harish. That's what we're doing here. That's what we're doing here, guys. Um, you know, Simply Cyber, you know, it does. It, it's become a bit of a business. There is, you know, revenue generating things in it. The courses, uh, advertising, super chats, all these things. Um, but I'm more interested. I mean, I, I like, you know, obviously I like the money. I, I, you know, I'd love for this to be like my full-time job at some point, but like, I, I'm not good at business. I'm interested in getting knowledge to you, right? That's what I'm doing here. So thank you, Harish, for telling me that you got extra knowledge today. That to me is like, the likes are cool. The money is cool, but like impacting people's lives is the coolest like in a positive way, impacting people's lives, right? Yeah, thanks gaming with the cat. I mean, I'm not a robot, right? I'm not, it, it is what it is, right? All right, guys, thanks so much for everything. Genuinely appreciate it. Be good. We'll see you guys at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time today. Bring your questions, Bryson. Guys, to get access to somebody like Bryson is uh, very valuable, okay? I've been trying to get him on the show for months. That's why the play card says December 15th. I talked to him about coming on in July of 2022 in Vegas, okay? So it took me like seven, eight months to get this guy to come on because he's that busy, that in demand. This is a huge, huge opportunity, so don't don't miss it, okay? Thank you, David Beard. I'm, I'm really appreciate it. Some people think I'm robotic because of the amount of that I do and, and keep it all straight and organized. All right, I got a boogie. I got a, a meeting in one minute. Take care, guys. Bye. Oh, oh. <laughs> Until 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time later today, stay secure.